You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. And uh, we're all cowboy all the time as well. Our son son and dad Prescott are best friends, so uh, we have a little extra. We have a little extra, as Jensen Franklin would say. And then we also have a campus in Naples, Italy. And uh, so that might be our favorite campus, frankly. Uh, It's our most expensive, but it is also our favorite. And uh, an Italian soul is an expensive soul. But uh, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll have some time to, you know, ask any questions and maybe converse, and um, just as we begin, and we'll share our story a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think that even as Jensen was saying last night, and even through many of the messages over these last couple of days, that there seems to be an emphasis on, obviously, the the Holy Spirit and, and His leading and His guiding. And uh, there are rules and there are concepts, there are principles that we'll share. There's some hard and fast, if you will, metrics. But at the same time, uh, we do walk by faith and uh, we do walk by uh, not sight, but by what we feel that God would uh, be leading us. And so we hope that you would pick up some things that might be able to bring you to, whether it's adding another service or... uh, another location. So Lord, we just thank you. We ask for your blessing over our conversation. We ask for your insight. And uh, God, would you just help Lori and I just communicate uh, what would be important for anyone here or for anyone's church Mm -hmm. to know what the next step is. And Lord, we just thank you for it and what you're going to do even now. Refresh us, Lord, as we get into this hour of the day. Especially in a church conference. We especially <laughs> in the Holy Ghost with these 19-pound sandwiches. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's, it's really exciting um, to talk about expansion. Um, <clears throat> for so many years, you know, that wasn't even a part of our conversation. It was just out by generations, both sides, ministry. And so it was just survival. It wasn't expansion. And so it's great that so many of y'all are here today. Um, Joe and I started our church 19 years ago, and it started very supernaturally with three words. It is Austin. We had never been to Austin before. Uh, We were in Louisiana. We had been in ministry together for 10 years, and we knew that God was stirring us to plant a church, and we were like, God, we want you to pick the city. We don't want to have the top 10 cities or whatever. We want it to be so supernatural that when it gets hard, that um, we know that you spoke, and so we'll be faithful to that word. And so I just had our third child and was home with him. And Joe was preaching at our home church where we were um, on staff there. And Joe you know, said that the Lord just spoke to him three words in his office. Well, I was at home um, having my devotionals before we could live stream. And so having my church at home and I just felt like Austin just popped in my mind. Like, I need to, we need to look up Austin. And so God spoke so clearly to us that we packed up and moved without a launch team. Um, this is the year before ARC started, so we didn't have all those practical things in place. And it was a faith journey. And, you know, for us to start with, with three kids under the age of eight and just to move into a city that we didn't know anybody and we started 45 days later in a library, which never do that. Um, <laughs> And so 
God has not been exactly that clear since, you know? And so we have to understand, like, when, when we're talking about expanding, when we're talking about adding services, when we're talking about multi-site, that we are getting wisdom from all different people so that, you know, we're able to combine faith with great principles and wisdom. And so that's what we want to talk about today. And you want to share yeah. And, and in preparation, yeah, I was just thinking, always always look for a word. And uh, in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to just read four verses. Um, talking about Paul and, of course, as they're planting and uh, preaching the gospel. It says that when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but, but the Spirit did not permit them there. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Tross, and a vision appeared to Paul at night. The man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And what I wanted to show you in that four verses there in Acts chapter 16, you've got... You've got this desire by, of course, these church planters, Paul the Apostle, and most of us are either have been a part of a plant or you're considering planting a church or you're in the present moment and you've planted your church, but now is it time to add another location or another service? And, and I think this is what we were saying at the very beginning. And here's, here's Paul and here's the team going, man, we wanted to go there, but God stopped us. Mm-hmm. He forbid us. And, uh, but then yet all of a sudden that... That stop sign from God opened up a, a go in Macedonia. And, and I just want to just say that to say that um, each of us are going to have to, we work out not just our own salvation, but you work out your own church plan. <laughs> I mean, you've got to work this thing out. And, and let me just encourage you, do not, as it's been said, don't find yourself getting into the comparison trap. Uh, because, you know, back in the day, 30, 20, even, well, when we planted our church just a few months before, uh, Chris Hodges and then Rick was at the two, if we call, I call them the two homes, in the, they were the two model homes in the subdivision for art. Um, oftentimes we can get ourselves into that depressive state going, okay, my church is not growing yeah. as fast. <clears throat> but back in the day, it used to be, how many are you running? Or how many people do you have? Now it's how many campuses. We've kind of forgotten people. Uh, True. Everybody just now jumps to campuses. How many services are you running? And I think Acts 16 is very clear that we have to just realize we better do what God tells us to do. You better go with the grace that God has given you. Don't force yourself into a city or into a location or into a service or into another building. Except, as Paul said, after he had the vision... We concluded that the Lord had called us to go and preach in that. Yeah. So what Paul made sure was that he had buy-in with the team. Yeah. He didn't just say, God spoke to me. And if you're, how many senior pastors do we have here just to get a contact? Um, one of the things that David did the same thing when it came to a decision. He goes, guys, if it's right, if it's right with you and it's right with God, then it'll be right with me. Yeah. And uh, David did not just say, I'm the king. I'm the commander. I'm the pastor. We're going to start this service. Yeah. And y'all better just get in line and keep your mouth shut. That's not the way to do it. Right. Uh, and I will promise you that will be a very difficult yeah. uh, 
adding of a service mm-hmm. or an adding of a location. But Paul said it went from it went from me to we, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that because that's that's very important. Um, before we even talk about locations, and we'll talk a little bit more, but we, before locations, we look, we're all about the leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, our friend Rick Bazet, he doesn't just uh, he doesn't decide, in fact, where the church is going to go. And their vision, Rick's, is to have fifty cities, fifty communities, with fifty churches in Arkansas. That's his vision. Mm-hmm. But he goes, I don't determine where it's going to go. I want the leader to determine where to go. Because if the leader wants to live there, if the leader has a heart for that area, then I know that chances are it's going to be more successful yeah. rather than me just telling them mm-hmm. to yeah. go there. So let's talk about adding a service, yeah. Lori. Well, first, um, just just our little journey is that we started in a library, like I said, with 54 people. First Sunday, the next week it was half of that, and the next week it was half of that, and, you know, um, depressing. So we didn't have momentum. We didn't have any need for additional services. Then we went to a hotel. We still didn't have momentum. Then we went to a storefront location on the back side of a bad road. I mean, it was like road construction all the time, potholes in the road, no parking, storefront bad. Okay, nobody passed this place. And we grew in that 6,000 square foot room. Um, not room, whole building, kids' space, everything. The room was to, 60 by 40. Yeah, 60 by It was about, it was about what like this size. Yeah, and you walked right in from the street. So. Nobody flew coach. Everybody yeah. flew first class. Yeah. yeah, it was like this many rows to the back. And so, and it was, and the stage was this high. So yeah. Joe, I was leading worship, and Joe was on the front row. I mean, sometimes I had to be like, like move over so I can make eye contact with people. Um, <clears throat> but we grew there to 1,500 people. And we had to add services like crazy. And we had to have a sign that said, the church is full, which you don't want to have to have that sign. Line up for the next service. And that's where people would queue up for the next service while God was at the same time providing a a great piece of property for us. But that's when we had to go multi-site because we were just running out of service times in one location. So we actually... um, had our first multi-site campus, which was a high school about eight miles up the road, kind of close to where we were going to build our permanent location. And so we would be the traveling band. And so I was the worship leader, so we would kick off the service. As soon as the worship part was over, we would get in the in the van, which was filled with breakfast tacos, which is, you know, like a love language of Texas. And we would go up the road and start the service there. And then... Um, the ushers in the back of the room would say how many minutes it was until Joe arrived because they would start tracking his movement on the way there. So it would be like 10 more minutes, then five more minutes. And so they were rolling out, you know, the last song and it would be zero minutes. And then sometimes like Joe was pulled over by a cop or something. And then it was like 15 more minutes. And so we're like, let's roll that song over and over. And then we would go back, back and forth to services just to cut kind of try to get creative to do multi-site, but how I many know that is not sustainable? And um, so we literally, you know, thank God he provided a building for us. So anyway, that's that's one of the things that we want to keep you from having to do. That's so we didn't go deal. to, of course, in adding a service, and, and uh, we did not even have a second service until <coughs> the third building. And uh, that would have been in year yeah. three before we yeah. had to add a service. So Greg might have mentioned... Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about a slow start, talk to Joe. <coughs> uh, right. And part of that was uh, 
we were in, as Lori said, a bad location. We had no website. Um, but God got us there. And uh, we eventually began to see people begin to show up. And um, I, I think it's a, a, a very important principle that we were never looking at the, we were never looking over the people to get somewhere. Um, Obed just said it. The people are not, they're, they're the privilege. Right. And, and I can honestly say we were not, as hard as it was in those early days in a room much like this, that we would grow to 1,500 people, we, we were not mad, we were not frustrated. And a lot of that was because we didn't have Instagram and Twitter to look at all the real other time yeah. situations. Thankfully, it took me about a week or two to hear what Chris and Rick and the rest of the guys were doing. <laughs> and so the, at least there was a little lag time. Today, a lot of church pastors walk out going, man, that was a good day. And then they look at their friends and they go, well, look how good the day they had. Right. And, and then they go into the time. Um, yeah. So with that, let's talk about adding a service. And uh, before we get into adding a location... And for those that are just joining us, welcome. Um, as we were saying at the very beginning, we're still figuring this thing out. I think we're all trying to uh, uh, determine, you know, you better know your city, know your personality, know your team, know your rhythm, know your season. I've had the privilege of being on Craig Groeschel's board for years. That's like being, obviously, Michael Jordan's uh, coach, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah. There's nothing really to do with Craig. Just sit there and watch them add services and add <laughs> locations. They have 31 locations now. Yeah. Um, and uh, but before you go to location, let's let's talk about service. So first of all, the overarching principle is this: for adding services, adding it is a response to growth. Uh, to add a service is not about <clears throat> stimulating growth. Um, we've we've seen some pastors, and we've seen some. People go, okay, you know what? We're just going to add another service. If we build it, what will happen? They will come. No, they won't. And uh, <laughs> not to another bad service. <laughs> so you better make sure that first one is good and add a service because you're growing up, because you, you want to grow or you or you need to grow. Because there's a, adding a service, and of course, it, there's a lot of complex and moving parts and variables to it. And uh, so with that, the three variables to consider when you're adding a service is, is your venue. Um, what's your venue's limiting factor and uh, the size of it? So when we had to add that second service and then third service and fourth service and then other location, as I said, we're 60 by 40 and people were waiting out in the parking lot or waiting outside looking through the windows. And we knew that uh, we had to add more seats. Um, and how many people does your auditorium seat comfortably uh, with you know we literally believe in taking rulers out and doing those 35 to 38 inch spaces we believe that's a big deal mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to your not just the auditorium but but your parking mm-hmm. uh, what can your parking handle and uh, in our downtown campus in Austin we we don't have if you will parking lots and uh, we use parking on the street or parking across the street at a school Whereas our main campus seats, uh, our one main new building is, seats 3,000 people. We've got two other large rooms of 1,400 and uh, 900. So we have 14, 1,500 spots for our whole complex. But the difference between our Georgetown campus and our city campus is that our city campus and our cities, they, they attract single people. So therefore, the cars are multiplied, whereas in Georgetown, that's a suburb of Austin, 
they're driving up in, as whole families. Um, and so the ratio is uh, three to one. Um, and uh, whereas downtown... It's it, 1.4 to one. Yeah. So, you know, to have 100 people, you have to have 71 parking spots. And so you have to you have to know that somebody has to be the numbers person that counts those things out because it really does <clears throat> it really does matter. And expanding too fast can hurt momentum, expanding too slowly can hurt momentum because people do, you know, they come to us with you know, they're not coming to lay their life on the line for Jesus. They're coming to us with, what can the church do for me? Consumer mentality. And so you have to count what matters to, to people. And, and understand, too, just on the people angle, they're never going to be as excited as you are about your church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't expect them to be as on fire, as committed. Not to say you lower the bar. But you just better have some healthy expectations. <clears throat> They're not sleeping, uh, not sleeping at night like you are, thinking yeah. about the church, dreaming about the church. And a lot of times, we, if we're not careful, we project, why aren't they? How come? Well, they have a life. You don't. So, um, but as Chief Jake said, you better get one. Yeah. Everybody else does. So, but in the church planning days and in, the, in a time when you're growing... Just measure your expectations. But yeah. why don't you give the rule that yeah. we have found when it comes to your parking spots and yeah. time. Yeah. When it comes to the parking spot, um, add 10% to your total number of parking spaces for every five minutes that you cut into a 30-minute window. So you want to have a 30-minute window between your services, but say you have a 20-minute window between your services, then you're going to have to add 20% more. So you need 120 spaces instead of 100 spaces. So, you know, that's also so important in your timing. Now, we have a lot of people that, you know, we had people on our roof last week counting traffic flow and that kind of thing. And that doesn't, if you're a senior pastor in here, that does not excite you. I know that. But you have to know this because it's all things that, not that you can't take a a step of faith if God says, no, out of campus, out of service, go in a wrong part of town, you know, whatever. But... Do, do your due diligence. Um, the other thing about venue is your kids' space. And so a lot of you, as church planters, you're planting young, and so you're attracting young. And so the, the age of the church kind of often goes with the age of the pastor. Like our, our new campuses that we're, that we're planted and are planting, um, it's amazing how many kids, you know, just we were just at a launch party on Sunday night. It was like... Half of them were children, you know, and so when you're looking at space, then the average space is 20% of your total kids for national average, 20% of your total attendance is kids ages birth through fifth grade. But if your kids ministry trends younger, then that means more nursery spaces because you have ratio issues to deal with. So you have to know that in your space and um, you have to really seat, put up the right amount of seats for the right amount of spaces that you have. Go to whatever vi- um, variable is the lowest. That's how you set your seats. So we have a, we have a conference seating of 3,000 in our main location. Um, but on the weekends, we set out 2,500 chairs because we don't have kids space for 3,000. So if we're filling up a 3,000-person room, then our kids' team is resigning. 
you know, <laughs> and our, you know, people are going to come in very frustrated because they can't seat their kids. So always do your seats and and arrange your service times to accommodate that. Yeah. So after venue, of course, is your timing and uh, making sure that uh, you know the best time for your people. Uh, when's the best time for your team? Uh, the calendar. And, and a lot of people are adding service. They might add a service at a wrong time. If your summer <clears throat> is coming up and you know you take a dip in the summer, don't add a service right. uh, during the yeah. summer. Uh, don't add a service during low seasons. Make sure that you're monitoring and you, are, um, you have your metrics for every weekend. You also are storing that information as to not just the numbers, mm-hmm. uh, but you're storing uh, maybe the data like uh, what happened on that weekend in terms of weather. Um, we had uh, we were looking at some numbers. What was it? Two weeks ago, and then uh, it was a bad weather day. Mm-hmm. Like we had a fifty four percent increase yeah. in our year previous. <laughs> we were so excited. And we're like, oh my god, this is awesome! And uh, and then Lori looks at her notes, and it says uh, tornado kills five people. <gasps> no, or something like that. But uh, <laughs> the reality is, is that our attendance was way low. Which then, of course, shot us up 54%. Yeah. But when, when we're looking at service times, we're looking at the best time for our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it relates to... Austin is not an early morning uh, town. Mm-hmm. Austin's a night town. Austin are uh, maybe like the rest of the world in your church as well. You know, our, we have not presently in our main service on Sunday, 9.30 and 11.30. We have a Saturday at 5 and then 9.30 11.30 at our main campus. And 11.30, I mean, first song's kicking off, and you're like, okay, the gig is up. People have quit coming to our church after 19 <laughs> years. And then by the time, again, third song, you're looking up, and how many have late people? Let me see you. Yeah. Okay. So it's Christians. Uh, and hungover Christians. And so uh, they finally get there. But I would say in our context, we've tried to do young, or tried to do early service, and we didn't get young people. It looked like... Uh, it looked like a nursing home, uh, and uh, and then at that you only had about fifty nursing home right. attendees. Yeah. So looking at your at your service times, but looking at your people, looking at the rhythm. Uh, Austin is a obviously it's a single town, it's a college town, um, and uh, making sure that you're capturing that that critical mass. There's a lot of conversation. And uh, when is the right time? Robert Morris, I've heard Robert say, they, they believe that as, um, even in the 50s, 60% is a time to add another service. Uh, most of the general rule are like 80%. When you're 80% full, it is now time to add another service. But then you've got to remember, you then, if you do, you're going to your, cut your momentum in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working with a couple of churches, a couple of friends, and... and uh, they were really doing good with uh, critical mass. It, it was full. It was tight. But the people were excited. They added that service. And it cut. It just cut the energy level. It cut the, uh, the sense that God was moving. And they actually began to decline. Yeah. You got to know, before you add that service, have we prepared the people? Have we prepared the people to take responsibility to filling up uh, the, that service when we let them know we're going to be adding another service and mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that but yeah we're we're going to the 100 to 120 percent model yeah. 
So we want to fully pack out our service so that when we add a service, it feels like another big service. Because to people, it feels empty if you're at 50%. It feels full if you're at 80%. So it takes creativity. It takes work on your teams. Um, it takes an overflow strategy that, that really works. It takes active, um, ushers actively seating people and um, strategically filling up sections one at a time. Um, so anyway, so we're always in, um, we're always trying to figure out the best ways to do it. But if you have, we think it's best to have to go to an overflow situation first. And I know that's what Highlands does as well, is that they're, they're preparing an overflow. And also with an overflow, it gives you opportunity to build up another dream team to serve. And to the overflow experience, let me just um, give you a few points about the overflow experience to, so that it's good. But identify the individual that's responsible for making the overflow call. Like, there has to be somebody that says, okay, we cannot fit two more people in this room, or we can't ask these people to move again, or, you know, we're breaking up families now. So, um, to, so identify that person that makes the overflow call. Then over-communicate the plan to your staff and volunteers. And we just had to do this recently. Um, we had Dave Ramsey come in a couple of weeks ago, and we had to over-train, over-communicate to the, to the team, to the staff. We're going to have young families. They're going to want to bring their babies up to the front. We're miking this. We're miking the audience. We're trying to have capture for the Ramseys and for other campuses that we're having. And so we're going to have to put some things in place. So just overtrain your staff and your, and your leaders. Um, Pre-stage your AVL equipment, your chairs, and your supplies um, for that overflow area. And make sure that everything you have is a duplicate experience of what's happening in the auditorium. That you have a service host, that you have, you know, we have connection cards, that we have offering prayer team, communion if you're having communion that weekend. Um, and, and just provide the additional team, recruit them, and reallocate them to cover the overflow. Um, but the most important piece is, is to remain calm. I don't know if you've ever been on an on a, um, airplane with some turbulence. And to overflow and having to make a call on that can be turbulent. And you're always looking at the flight attendant like, are they okay? Are they stressing out? And um, so you need to have that sense of, hey, we planned for this. We value you. We want to make this the best experience possible. And then it creates the demand for an additional service. And so, as far as your team, you've got to make sure that you have the adequate team size that uh, is going to uh, host that overflow room. <clears throat> we've had it over the years where we weren't best prepared. Yeah. And uh, kind of threw somebody in there in a 900-seat auditorium with a large, nice screen, but uh, he was just uncomfortable. He was not warm to the people. It it lacked attention. Yeah. Um, it lacked care. I mean, let's face it. If you're a, like Gloria says, mm -hmm. if you see one waitress working in a, in a restaurant, you know you're yeah. you're going to be a long time before you get your food. I haven't been to an IHOP in five years for that reason. I'm afraid I'll never get served. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing. You've got to make sure that you have uh, built a, a strong and sizable team. And of course, that would depend on the size of that yeah. room. Uh, identify the number of team members needed per, per that service, uh, per that room. 
Um, you were going to say something about that? Yeah. Um, we have always said in the culture, even when we weren't growing, that we're going to multiple services. So um, we've always said in the culture that we rotate team on the worship team, for example, because those are some of the things, those are some of the teams where people get real territorial about like, I'm gonna leave every worship service. And if you're not developing teams for um, other campuses and other services or AV rotations, because you can't expect one family to stay through and do a dream team for three services for every weekend. So even though they can do every one of one service, <laughs> you need to, to build in them rotation. And so before you add a service, the ideal is to have 220% of what dream team you need so that you can automatically, you know, um, redirect them to, to um, another service. And I would say to that culture point, yeah. we, when we were adding services or adding <coughs> locations, um, there, was, there was behind it, um, I, I think, a lot of homework. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we had buy-in with the people. But, but from the very beginning, our church, we said, we are, we are a church here to reach the city. We're, we're, here to, uh, we're here to take territory. We're here to take ground, which means we're, we're going to have to be giving up our seats for other people. We're going to have to have the mindset, uh, sit and serve. You mm-hmm. sit one or you <coughs> attend one, yeah. but then you're going to serve one. And you're just, you're just constantly putting that... D-A-N-D-A-N-D. <coughs> right. So that as the church begins to grow, people are not uh, upset that it begins to grow. We told you it was going to grow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not that we were here to do a big church. Mm-hmm. We were here to do church right. But if the church is right, we do believe that the church will grow. And uh, isn't this awesome? You know, isn't right. this great? How can you in a church yeah. growth situation where the people are like, I don't know if I want it to grow any more than it is now. It's just us. Right. Yeah, and we hated it. And so, uh, or as we tell people, you wouldn't have liked our church when it was just us. Uh, we didn't like our church when it was just us. Um, but, but, but when it begins to happen, you you're just are constantly putting into the culture of the people, this is why we're here. This is why we came to this city. Yeah. And uh, so as it relates to uh, calendar, uh, the timing of it, and the, just as, again, your times, mm-hmm. uh, just sensing what kind of city you are in. And uh, I totally agree. And a, and a lot of our influence has come from, because we have family, they call us uh, Highlands West. There's <laughs> about 18 staff members that have come through our Highlands, <laughs> and our, one of our sons is there now. And sometimes they'll come to Austin with a Birmingham context. And it doesn't always yeah. connect the dots. We don't have anybody saved in our world. Uh, whereas Christian today, everybody's saved in Birmingham. It's just the level of salvation is the issue. Uh, in our world, we have to work with people who honestly don't even have church on the road. So again, that's why the early morning doesn't work. What was very successful until we went to just the two because of the large building. We were uh, 9 and uh, eleven fifteen and 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We always wanted at least that 30-minute uh, turnaround. Some people are 20 minutes in our arc world, depending on the size <coughs> of the room. Um, you want to say anything else yeah. on the time? No. Um, and then the third thing is communication, and we kind of already hit on that. Just preemptively communicating to your team, this is where we're going, this is the direction. We're going to keep growing because the city needs Jesus. And so just 
keeping it not about them, but about growth and giving them adequate time to prepare for that. You know, you don't want to say, hey, the Lord just told me we're going to start a second service next week. You know, take that opportunity to really think about the things that worked for you when you launched. Um, Even in advertising, um, there's so many great ways to advertise now. you know, especially with social media ads that's so, so cheap, you know, and stuff. And so really um, take that time to communicate, to communicate the why behind it, the vision, and rally the people to get really excited about it. I always think about how many watched this um, Price is Right? The Plinko game? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a point to this. Uh, those pins, when they put that tip on that board... Of course, they hope to score that 10,000 in the middle. If it hits, when it hits one of those pins, those are your leaders. Yeah. And uh, if your leaders are not up, if they're not trained, if they mm-hmm. haven't been communicated to, they're not gonna. That chip is not gonna make it towards right. the direction that you want them to go in. You, you got to make sure that all your people. What do they say? If uh, people won't be up on what they're, what they're, what is it? People down, are down, down on what they're, they're not up. up. And so we've always said, okay, like the Plinko game, those pins are those key dream team leaders and your team that needs to know how to communicate. Because even at stores, guys, when you go to a store and you're asking a question of an associate and they don't know, you just go, what kind of operation is this? Right. And the same thing in the church. People come to our church now and they're shopping and our team is just, I don't know. They're just, they're going to have the same thought that you do. Right. What kind of church is this? Yeah. And that pen is that which is going to determine which direction those people go. Yeah. And if people are not informed, if your team is not up on what's happening, uh, it literally could bounce people out. Right. Out the door. <clears throat> Before we go to adding a campus, um, any questions about adding a service or any? any uh, we only have ten minutes total. Any, okay. Left. But is there a question about adding a service? We'll go. Anyone? Go ahead. Um, we are about to launch a um, five o'clock service, uh-huh. and um, we are maxed out in our kids' area. That's the main thing yeah. that we're maxed out in. Um, our, our actual workers are still 50 yeah. people. Um, a part of us is questioning whether we're going to tap into a different kind of people and whether that's going to alleviate that morning yeah. at all. Yes, yeah. it could create a whole new group of people. <laughs> And not alleviate right. the space. What, how many services do you run in the morning? Right after. You know, we, um, we've done surveys before that really help us to make those decisions sometimes. And you could do an easy survey in your kids, in your kids team and see, because at 5 o'clock, you're still able to get your kids home in time. And families may really love that. Um, our 5 o'clock Saturday night service is not a... I mean, we... I guess we don't have as many kids that would go to that one, but it's also because a lot of kids are in Little League sports and that kind of thing on Saturdays as well. But a Sunday night, is that what you're talking about? Sunday night at 5 o'clock, that might just be perfect because the parents have all weekend to do stuff with their kids, and then it might actually really alleviate plus bring growth in some other areas. I would ask. I would do the survey and just let people hear what the vision is. One real quick question, then we'll knock out the campus. Where we have two services currently, and we only have like a 20 minute time between the two services, and we're not able to move our service up 
reverse service and we can't reverse second service back because of the venue that we're in. Mm -hmm. So our service times in between are like extremely congested. Mm -hmm. Like it's so like, mm -hmm. I feel like people are gonna come in and not gonna like it because of so much anxiety, you know? Like, and your service time is how long? Uh, they run to an hour and 15. Hour and 15, okay. Yeah. But you can't go early, you can't go late? No. Well, I guess number one, you got to either change your venue <laughs> or he's going to have to shorten up his service. You know, some yeah. guys are doing one hour and five. Yeah. Big churches are doing one hour and five, yeah. one hour and three. <coughs> uh, Milestone yeah. Church, Jeff Little, I just preached for him in Dallas. Yeah. And uh, he's 105. And they're running about 7,000 yeah. people. Yeah. Now, I like a little longer, but if I had a venue issue, yeah. I have no other options. Yeah. You just tell the people. You know, one day, you know. Yeah. So if you guys start giving, we'll get out of this venue. Yeah. Um, that's seriously what I would tell people. Good news and bad news. Good yeah. news is we have the money. Bad news is it's in your pocket. Yeah. Um, when, when do you add a campus? Um, and, uh, of course, again, not being under pressure to add just because your friends are adding. But uh, you want to make sure that uh, when it comes to this, the goal what, what is your goal? What's your, what's your desire? In Austin, as we're getting ready to plant uh, one in Dripping Springs area, which is about a 55-minute drive mm -hmm. from where we are. We've got people that are driving from there. Uh, we have a campus pastor who lives there. We're, we're going there because he loves that area. That area is sharp. That area is fresh. Uh, we're really excited about what's happening. It's basically like us in the north, in the south. And they have a heart for that area. Mm -hmm. um, and so as it relates, yeah. we're not just uh, spreading. Yeah, and so it's better to open a campus because you already have three services going and your attendance trends are up and to the right. Um, so it's better to plant, you know, like 20 minutes away or whatever. But there's also campuses that are vision campuses, like like the one that he's talking about. Um, let me just, uh, let's just talk about a few things that we need to have in mind. And that is, who do you need on your campus launch? Um, the first, of course, is your campus pastor. And we do not believe in hiring in for a campus pastor unless they've been with us for a while. So you want them on board six to 12 months because you want to make sure that they have DNA. And you want to make sure that they are carrying your heart because it's very easily easy for them to go off and do something that's, you know, that they just don't know is your culture because they haven't been in your culture long enough. And they can get isolated out there. Yeah. Our <coughs> campus in Italy, we have almost, we have a staff member there in Italy, not just there, uh, but we're sending mm -hmm. at least once every other month an executive member is there, a team member is there. We keep mm -hmm. that thing tethered. Yeah. Uh, and so with that, you've got you to watch the culture. you got to watch your DNA um, because we have found people that were very good close to us. We're not very good away from us. Yeah. Uh, it's like your kids. Yeah. They're really wonderful when you're home and then yeah. you go to the grocery store the house is burning down. Uh, yeah. And so with that, we've got our first, we, we've, we've canceled, or actually we closed two campuses. One because of the new building. We just didn't yeah. need the expense, and we built this big building. But one we closed because the uh, our campus pastor got unhealthy, yeah. and uh, it just it just wasn't uh, yeah. a good DNA and a good fit. And yeah. did we go too early? Do you think yeah. with them? I guess. Yeah, we probably did. Next. Okay. The next thing is you need a um, kids coordinator. 
because that's, uh, of course, when you're starting new campuses, you have a lot of young families. And then we do a worship leader that is usually part-time, that is also familiar with AVL and technical and, and that kind of situation. Yeah. Leadership team, will get that. Yeah. The leadership team, um, <clears throat> sorry, um, vision and culture carriers, they have a love for people, they're team builders, they're organized, they're motivators, um, they have an understanding of groups and teams and pastoral care and students. You know, this, this goes especially with your campus pastor is that that person has to be a gatherer. They don't necessarily have to be like Jensen Franklin communicator because a lot of times they're just doing transitions or, or whatever. But um, it's really, really important that they understand all your systems from budgets to processes to how you do hospital visits or, you know, those are the people that are building communication. Community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, the process is my brother flies for American Airlines. There's some 13,000 pilots. Very seldom do the pilots fly with the same pilot. Mm-hmm. How, does a plan, how does a pilot get on a plane with a man that he's never met before, never right. flown before, and then start that plane up within 20 minutes? <clears throat> because their systems are written down. Yeah. It's, a, it's plug and play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is it. There's mm-hmm. no variance, there's no feeling, there's no Holy Ghost. Leading them in a different yeah. direction, uh, Craig Rochelle. I'm just telling you, you, you're a minute over. You're getting a call from the your cell phone's buzzing for you on that stage because they need to be all yeah. linked up. And, and not to say you're not giving room for the Holy Ghost to move, or, but if you've got a leader that has to be given, he's got to have a lot of room. He's probably not going to be a good. Yeah. He's not going to probably be a good planner, yeah. uh, a good campus pastor for you. They've got to be able to do exactly what you've asked them to do without kicking, without screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there shouldn't even be a, I mean, not a hesitation yeah. uh, on that. Because, again, you're releasing a lot of power to them, a lot of influence, a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, next, let's talk about location. And, of course, everything comes back to uh, your, your yeah. right location. Um, we go by location because it's in the heart of our leader. Uh, I want them to have that buy-in. Um, and then, of course, we do our metrics. We study where we find our church is uh, growing, where people are driving from. We look at what is the trend uh, in the Austin Metroplex, knowing you know where are uh, people moving to. Uh, I think that kind of goes without uh, saying too much about that. Just understanding the growth patterns and uh, greatest concentration of people. Uh, Great thing about a lot of these communities that are being built in Austin, like there's one close to our main campus, Terra Vista. We own that subdivision. I mean, we have, I don't know, 100 plus small groups in one subdivision. Mm-hmm. You can't, if you don't go to celebration, <clears throat> it's almost become a cult, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty strong. Uh, people are like, man, I can't believe you don't go here. Uh, but just that whole understanding of, of getting people to own those subdivisions mm-hmm. and those neighborhoods around that location. Breaking it down in bite-sized portions yeah. for people. Um, the next thing is what to expect um, when you open your campus. And, and you can expect to be stretched. Um, also, we give three to six months of lead team lead, lead time um, for teams to get together. They're getting together once or twice a month. Leading into that, um, where they're getting culture download, they're getting DNA download. You have to expect that culture and vision are going to leak. How are you going to bring that in? 
Um, our campus pastors come to our Saturday night service. That gives them time to be a part of, you know, hearing what Joe has is preaching that weekend, um, hearing how it, how it works out when he's preaching it to the congregation. Also, just still feeling a part of that as we continue to maybe grow out of Austin. That won't be as doable. But even our even our Italy campus and our Africa campuses watch all together every week as a staff. And so it's really, really important that they're hearing the language of Celebration Church and what we're doing. And the next campus that we're about to do will be video, whereas uh, one of our campuses are primarily live. Uh, Reese, who's from Boston, uh, and his wife, they, I give them, of course, we're all in the same series, mm-hmm. but he's predominantly live because Austin is a live city, live music capital mm-hmm. world. Um, they, our people walk in, or the people that have connected to our church, they want to know how many times will the pastor be on the video. Whereas the next campus is going to be all video. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese is a good communicator. Ash is a great connector. Uh, but we just find, again, we're, we're real flexible mm-hmm. on how we do that. But leading up to that, um, when it comes to opening our, our team, as far as you know, casting the vision, your um, a lot of, lot of gatherings, a lot of parties, a lot of happenings in people's backyard with the leadership team, with the uh, dream team. Um, and again, that building that rapport with the people about pioneering mm-hmm. and what is it going to look like in the future? What are the potential things in the future? Why have we been brought to this city? I think that that is something that our team has done well. I think yeah. that's been the secret of... Uh, <clears throat> Of what success we've had in our campuses is that uh, the team has been heavy relational, mm-hmm. heavy relational. It's just not a project. It's just yeah. not. Uh, we're just not a McDonald's sticking it in there because of of uh, what it might be able to benefit yeah. uh, benefit the church. Yeah. Uh, any other? And areas? then finally, um, when should you open a campus? And and we said set milestones, not deadlines. Because there are some things you need to be flexible with your deadline. If you're not, if your launch team isn't growing, don't start with five people like we did. Um, it'll take you three years to get what would have been a launch team. But um, area that that could include area of the city, um, having an available venue there. Um, your budget, it's going to cost you more than you budget. Um, I think that our budget, we were budgeting at like five fifty, and I think we're going to like six seventy five now. As a budget, and you know, Austin's expensive. I know it's expensive. You know, and maybe where you are too. Um, getting your campus pastor, getting your worship leader, getting your kids leader, um, having your launch team, your leadership team—all those milestones need to be reached before you have a hard deadline. Like the campus that we're launching in January, we originally were going to launch it in August. And we were like, you know what? In a different location, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and we were like, it's we're not quite ready yet. And so we made the call, like we we don't want to be under pressure. We want to be under peace. And so we didn't have the peace to do it in August. So anyway, we're we're full steam ahead for January. As we close, uh, again, your body, just in your natural body, taking the type of the church as a body, and we're all members of that body your body grows and it grows at different paces than everybody everybody else's body yeah and uh, when I was a junior in high school I played my last football game my my junior year at 6 foot 2 210 or 205 
I went into my senior year, I was 6'5", 255, 260. And I went on to play the LSU. I peaked at the right time. I've known kids that were 6'5", 265 in the ninth grade. And by the time they were seniors, they were done. They were burned out. They were finished. So do not try or expect your body, your place of responsibility to grow at the same size or pace as everybody else's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's God who considers that. It's God who is in charge of the growth. And, uh, and at the same time, when it comes to whether it's a service or whether it's a campus, uh, the buy-in, the communication, and the, and the enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. If people feel like you're only doing this or you're doing it for the stroke your ego and to, to, make, uh, to make it look better uh, in comparison to or even creating the appearance that there's growth, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sheep will pick that up. Mm-hmm. The, people, the, the sheep will smell that if they're being pushed. You know, David followed the sheep, it says. Mm-hmm. He followed them. There, there, was a, there was a real sense of uh, when David was shepherding, as he talks about this, mm-hmm. uh, he was not uh, just pulling them by the neck mm-hmm. and making them go like my dog, the boxer I have. Will not go, but you want to make sure that your people are—they're just as equal with you mm-hmm. in the next vision or in the next service or campus. Any final thoughts? So we're at the end of our time. Did anybody have a? I have a question. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at opening our third location, mm-hmm. and um, some of the issues with our second. So our first location was really small, like this, uh-huh. and so lots of services, and then with our second location, it went into a big room, so it feels different. Yeah. So um, the culture dynamic of that is trying to like, alleviate pressure on that first building, yeah. but then in doing that too, people, it feels different. You don't like, you don't like the don't church? Like, they don't like the feeling, you know, yeah. and so an attempt to alleviate pressure, <coughs> creating space mm-hmm. didn't necessarily solve the issue. Yeah. So how do you keep that same culture and feel yeah. Moving to, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Moving to another location because, because yeah. then it's, so then we're having to overflow and people are going to come back yeah. because they, or they got saved there and so there's like an attachment yeah, yeah. to that place. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So we were really worried about that moving from a 13 or 1400 seat sanctuary to a 3000 seat sanctuary and um, we did a whole vision series on that and we kind of walked teams through several nights of um, prayer times together, um, just kind of services before we really launched. And we just anticipated that because we moved from a room this size to the 900 seat sanctuary and it felt huge to people, you know? And so we were like, we don't want that to happen again. And they're going to come into this, this new room and it's, you know, big screens and lights everywhere and all that. And, and I can tell you, I think just because we so communicated to that and I know you can't kind of backtrack, but just communicate to the that potential problem, anticipate that that might happen, and speak to it, speak to your leaders, cast vision, cast vision, cast vision. And then we went in, um, some, of the, some of our pastor friends were like, everybody's just going to be looking at the lights, and they're going to be looking at the screens, and they're not going to be worshiping. No, it felt like a revival when we walked in. And everybody said, it feels like home. It doesn't feel any different. And so I really think that um, we didn't have the knowledge 
you know, like you going into that second venue that that would happen. But this time we did, and we overcommunicated it. We prayed it. We bathed that place. What in was prayer. it? I, maybe you can remember. Maxwell talked to John a lot about moving into a big building like this or a new building, new venue, and and he was just saying, address what people are thinking. Do I belong in this new building? Do I see myself in this new building? Do I see my? Is this this place for me? And, and that's what people are asking themselves. Yeah. So we had a series literally called You Belong Here. And we addressed all of those things. Why you belong here. Why your friends belong here. And so we didn't allow them to focus so much on the past as in what experiences they would have with their friends coming to Christ in this building. And so it it is, it's, it's, you know, leadership, you're always trying to anticipate what people are thinking so that you can speak to that. And I would tell our people. If you, if, if uh, like for instance, uh, if there seems to be, a, there's lack of community in that room before service, after service, I, I, I deputize my people. I tell them, uh, you are now in charge to make this. In fact, if I see, if I'm talking to you as dream keepers, yeah, guys, I don't want you sitting here while the countdown's going on. Right. I want you. You guys need to be right. working the room. Right. Because that's what you guys remember when you came here back in that. Yeah. yeah. What was I doing before? Sir? You were working the room. You were shaking <laughs> hands. You were, you know, meet and greet. Well, guess what? I mean, everybody as the church grows. Or to fill up this room, it's going to require everybody to take that sense of responsibility. Right. So that's what you're telling the dream team. Don't just come here and sit and watch yeah. the countdown. Make sure. In fact, I'd rather have them yeah. to tell you, hey, y'all go back and sit to your seats. Or yeah. we're worshiping now than to sit there silently. Yeah. And you're putting on the people responsibility. This is your, this is your home. Yeah. Um, this is your life. I had a quick question. Um, we're planting in January. Uh-huh. We have uh, we have two venues that we're pursuing right now. One of them would be more than enough room for us, and uh, but the one that seems more likely, the space, you know, is smaller. So, uh, what are your ideas on launching the two services? Yeah. What, what would you know, no, like, hey, it's a good idea, or hey, like... Well, I mean, obviously, I think it's always the best if you can have two services, yeah. but I think it depends on the quality of your dream team, the quality of, uh, of your training, the quality of the culture, mm-hmm. uh, because you don't want to... You don't want to... I'd rather have a little momentum feel. Yeah. Hillsong's huge on that. I learned that from Brian Mendon. They take chairs out after every service. Every service is going to have chairs taken out. No matter if they know they're all going to be filled, because they want to create momentum. Yeah. They want to create that sense of, wow, look at all these people showing up. They're going to have to put out chairs. Well, they know they're going to be there. Yeah. But you're always going to be, you're going to be bigger, though, if you can go to a, a little bit smaller room and force a second service. If, if all the other variables are in place, like you have enough dream team, um, because it gives people extra opportunities and it also sets in place serve one, attend one from the very beginning. Yeah. And so that's really the ideal situation. But if you have a big room, I mean, you don't want to have two services. People go like, why am I doing this right Well, I guess another thing is what you come in. Father, thank you. Help us, please. Tell us what to do. Jesus, Okay, God bless you. It's all said Just do it, God. We hope you enjoyed this session from the ART Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations and to register for an upcoming ART Conference, visit artconference.com.